0: Essay Twenty Seven of Shandy Gaff by Christopher Morley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Essay Twenty Seven, The Literary Pawnshop. Excellent Parson Adams and Joseph Andrews is not the only literary man who has lamented the difficulty of ransoming a manuscript for immediate cash. It will be remembered that Mr. Adams had in his saddlebag nine volumes of sermons in manuscript as well worth a hundred pounds as a shilling was worth twelve pence offering one of these as a pledge parson adams besought mr towus the innkeeper to lend him three guineas but the latter had so little stomach for a transaction of this sort that he cried out coming sir though nobody called and ran downstairs without any fear of breaking his neck as a whimsical essayist with whom i have talked over these matters puts it the business of literature is imperfectly coordinated with life. Almost any other kind of property is hawkable for ready cash. A watch, a ring, an outworn suit of clothes, a chair, a set of books, all these will find willing purchasers. But a manuscript which happens not to meet the fancy of the editors must perforce lie idle in your drawer, though it sparkle with the brilliance of wit, and five or ten years hence collectors may list it in their catalogues no mount of piety along sixth street will accept it in pawn no hartford lunch will exchange it for corned beef hash and dropped eggs this is a dismal thing this means that there is an amusing and a competent living to be gained by a literary agent of a new kind Think how many of the most famous writers have trod the streets, ragged and hungry, in their early days. There were times when they would have sold their epics, their novels, their essays, for the price of a square meal. Think of the booty that would accumulate in the shop of a literary pawnbroker. The early work of famous men would fill his safe to bursting. Later on he might sell it for a thousand times what he gave. There is nothing that grows to such fictitious value as manuscript think of francis thompson when he was a bootmaker's assistant in leicester square he was even too poor to buy writing materials his early poems were scribbled on scraps of old account books and wrapping paper how readily he would have sold them for a few shillings or edgar poe in the despairing days of his wife's illness or r l s in the fits of depression caused by his helpless dependence upon his father for funds what a splendid opportunity these crises in writers lives would offer to the enterprising buyer of manuscripts be it understood of course that the pawnbroker must be himself an appreciator of good things no reason why he should buy poor stuff even though the author of it be starving richard le gallienne has spoken somewhere of the bookstores which sell books that should never have been written to the customers who should never have been born our pawnbroker must guard himself against buying this kind of stuff he will be besieged with it very likely mr le gallienne himself will be the first to offer him some but his task will be to discover new and true talent beneath its rags and stake it to a ham sandwich when that homely bite will mean more than a dinner at the ritz ten years later the idea of the literary pawnbroker comes to me from the unpublished letter of john mistletoe author of the dictionary of deplorable facts that wayward and perverse genius who wandered the third avenue saloons when he might have been feted by the author's league had he lived a few years longer some day i hope the full story of that tragic life may be told and the manuscripts still cherished by his executor made public in the meantime this letter which he wrote in 1908 gives a sad and vivid little picture of the straits of unadmitted genius i write from connor's saloon paunchy connor has been my best indeed my only friend in this city when every editor publisher and critic has given me the frozen mitt of course i know why the author of vermin deserved not nor wants their hypocritical help the book was too true to life to please the bourgeois and yet not ribald enough to tickle the purient. i had a vile pornographic publisher after me the other day he said if i would rub up some of the earlier chapters and inject a little more spice he thought he could do something with it as a paper-covered erotic for shop-girls i suppose he meant i kicked him downstairs the stinking bounder until today, i had been without grub for sixty hours that is literally true i was ashamed of sponging on ponchi and could not bring myself to come back to the saloon where he would willingly have fed me i did get a job for two days as a deck-hand on an erie ferry-boat but they found out i did not belong to the union i had two dollars in my pocket a fortune but while i was dozing on a doorstep on hudson street waiting for the cafes to open I was too done to walk half a dozen blocks to an all-night restaurant. Some snapper picked my pocket. That night I slept in a big drain-pipe where they were putting up a building. Why isn't there a pawn shop where one could hang up manuscripts for cash? In my hall-room over Connor's Saloon I have got stuff that will be bid for at auction some day. That isn't conceit, I know it. But at this moment, July 17, 1908, I couldn't raise fifty cents on it. If there were a literary mount of piety, a sort of Parnassus of piety, as it were, the uncle in charge might bless the day he met me. Well, it won't be for long. This cancer is getting me, surely. This morning I'm cheerful. I've scrubbed and swept Ponchy's bar for him, and the dirty patchouli-smelling hop-joint he keeps upstairs, bless his pimping old heart and I've had a real breakfast—boiled red cabbage, stewed beef condemned by the inspector, rye bread, raw onions, a glass of Tom and Jerry, and two big schooners of the amber. I'm working on my Third Avenue novel called The L. I shan't give you my right address, or you'd send someone down here to give me money, you damned philanthropist. Connor ain't the real name, so there. When I die—soon— They'll find Third Avenue written on my heart, if I still have one. It is interesting to recall that the manuscript of his poems, pavements, and other verses was bought by a private collector for two hundred and fifty dollars last winter. Will not some literary agent think over this idea? End of essay twenty seven.